Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Radio. I think we have Coach Alameda uh, logging on, so we're going to uh, <clears throat> get her in a minute. And uh, we're at uh, Gap to Gap Radio. Extremely excited to welcome to uh, the show Lonnie Alameda. Coach Alameda is the head coach at Florida State University, and although they've been really good for some time, they've made it to the College World Series and winning it last year in 2018. So we're going to uh, get Coach Alameda. <clears throat> Hi, Holly. Hey, Lonnie. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, So I know that you just got back from the West Coast. What time did you get in last night? Really late? Uh, Actually, this morning. um, We got here (laughs) probably about 45 minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, we did a a red eye from Phoenix to Atlanta and then uh, Atlanta down here to Tallahassee. So, yeah. Oh, my yeah, gosh. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a so, good overcast day here, so it's perfect for some nap time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Now, I know I think you have to because it's been uh, my last coaching job was in 2008 at um, I was uh, my last coaching job was Moorhead State here in Kentucky in the area. And I think uh, they've changed some rules since then. But um I think you have to give still like one day off. Is that the case? Yeah, well, two. Um, so they have today off, and then they get tomorrow off also because today is considered a travel day, even though because okay. we didn't. Yeah, you have to be home before 5 a.m. If you're yeah. after 5 a.m., it's considered a travel day. So, yeah, so we have to oh. take today and tomorrow off, which is fine. They're, yeah. they're going to be zombies anyway, and they got papers to do. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. On top of yeah. us as coaches, we'll be zombies too. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> exactly. So you need some recovery time. Yeah. 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 So I want to, uh, for the listeners and everything, so, again, I appreciate this. I've done radio shows before, and as a coach, of course, we've uh, uh, not – reach the level you have, of course, but um, uh, we have to do radio shows a lot and different things. So I'm on the different side of the mic, but uh, I want to, some of the listeners here, especially in the Louisville area, I uh, have not, maybe d- doesn't know a lot about you. So we want to kind of get to know you first, but some of the achievements uh, for the listeners, uh, 2018, of course, they won a national championship last year. And uh, your coaching staff was the National Coaching Staff of the Year last year, 2018, the NFCA uh, National Coaching Staff. 2000, 
see, looks like 13 to 17, you were the ACC Coach of the Year. I got a question for you. Not that it matters. You'll trade a Coaching of the Year award for a national championship anytime. <laughs> but were yeah, you not yeah. national or ACC Coach of the Year last year? Mm-mm. No. Oh. No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they gave to um, Pittsburgh, but you know Pittsburgh had a good year and a good run, and you know I think sometimes too, um, you know, for the ACC we we've done a pretty good job and kind of been the flag bearers for the yeah. conference, um, you know. So you get tired of one coach all the time, and I totally get that. Yeah. And you know, Pittsburgh yeah. made a good run, so um, you know people always say that. Well, that's silly, but in reality, you're, <laughs> you you want to continue to grow your conference too. So yeah, exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, and then in 2005 and seven, 2007, you were the MWC Coach of the Year. That was when you were at uh, in Vegas, right? Yep, Mount West Conference. Yep. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And um, so. A lot of awards, <clears throat> I did uh, the bio, and for those that listen, if you go to the uh, website or the link on the radio show, you can get her uh, complete bio. It's like a it's like a book. Uh, you know, you've been coaching a few <laughs> years, but you've accomplished uh, so much. You're, I, I've, it's been really cool, Lonnie, is that I, uh, I've been doing as much research on you as I can, and I go to old videos, and I'm going to different things, and one of the really cool things about doing these shows is you get to know the person pretty good, uh, at least externally, not internally and yeah. things, but you get a pretty good idea of uh, the person. Yeah. There's a couple things I want to get to. Your coaching style really is the thing that I'm very, very interested in as an old coach and, and things like that. It may not be very interesting to the listeners necessarily, but I, I do want to get to that a little bit. But okay. uh, yeah. the first thing I want to uh, ask you, and I guess it is coaching style a little bit, this past weekend, uh, not that we want to go after the negative necessarily because losses happen, but mm-hmm. so you got your first loss of the year. You started off, I think, 22-0. and 0. You got your first loss against uh, Grand Canyon, and uh, yep. then, uh, but you were 3-2 and two for the week, uh, the weekend, I guess, so to speak, so I guess what I, my biggest thing is not so much on the loss, but what did you learn about your team this weekend? I'm sure you learned a lot because we learn sometimes more from losses than wins. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it was a 10 day road trip. So we started last Friday, went down to Orlando, mm-hmm. played uh, ECF, got on the plane, flew out to Phoenix on Tuesday, played at Grand Canyon in Phoenix on Wednesday, and then drove down to Tucson uh, on Thursday and played wow. U of A Friday, Friday, Sunday. So, it was a long trip with the red eye coming back today. And, you know, yeah. I just think that you have to endure a journey to find out what you are as a team uh, on and off the field. I think it's so important. And right. so I guess the first thing, you know, you go back and you're like the national champion, right? It's just, it's uh-huh. kind of looming over you, just defending the title, defending the title. And then all of a sudden we come yeah. out, we're just gangbusters and hitting <laughs> the cover off the ball and doing great things. And so now you're 22 and 0 going into a series and the kids are feeling a little bit, not only have the bulls on their back, but now also like, Oh, we're undefeated. Are we going to go undefeated? Are we going to lose? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and there's all these like yeah. questions and so. You know, by losing to Grand Canyon, and they're a great ball club, you know, I mean, everyone's, oh, it's a mid-major, it's just not, and, um, you know, and, you know, I think we were a little bit, a little bit tired, but that had nothing to do with how they played, you know, they had the right hit mm-hmm. ball at the right time, and we didn't show up, and uh, I think those are good lessons for us, and just travel, how do we prepare yeah. to travel, I don't think it had anything to do with 
exceeded and pressure at all. I just really think it was the travel part and the logistics part mm-hmm. of us getting there and being prepared to play. And so that was yeah. the lesson we got from that one. Yeah. And, um, now that probably, was, uh, <clears throat> do you think that prepares yeah. you? Because your postseason is full of travel and hotels and things like that. Well, I think some of your, I was looking at the schedule. I think a lot of your postseason looks like it's in Tallahassee. But um, yep. but you still probably have to do a lot of hotel, a lot of traveling, especially when you go to Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. We tried to put ourselves in the best position to where we could host in softball. If you get a bid to host, you can host regional, super regionals, and then be able to go to the World Series. And so, yes, there mm-hmm. would be that, that six to ten days that you'd be out in Oklahoma City, and um, that would be a part of just knowing how to travel and time change and um, yeah. preparing your bodies and all that stuff. So, yeah, that was a good lesson for us, good for the freshmen. Uh, I think the thing I was most proud about is just the ability to bounce right back. Um, we came in in game yeah. two, a one eleven to one, put the hammer down, and so mm-hmm. it showed right away that you know it didn't linger around. We got our message sent to us, and and we were good to go. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I saw a little bit of the video. The first inning, I think you come out and scored four or five runs. The first inning. Uh, the second yeah. game, the game after, which was uh, which re- really and you know it's really interesting to see the body language of players in in that situation. It looked like Grand Canyon going, oh darn, here they are, yeah. you know they uh, <laughs> yeah. stuff. But yeah, yeah. so um, yeah. <clears throat> so again, we want to talk about some of this stuff. We'll kind of go along, but um, I'd love to for the listeners to get to know a little bit about you. Uh, I think you grew up a um, little bit like up through high school, like you grew up in. California, I believe, but tell us a little bit about your upbringing, your your history, and things like that. Yeah, um, I mean, I I grew up in Northern California in El Dorado Hills. Um, you know, luckily I have a very outgoing, outdoors family. You know, we we're big campers and played a lot of sports. And my parents always played slow pitching in leagues, and we were always outside. I was big into horseback riding with my mom, and um, so sport wasn't you didn't really specify at a young age Uh nowadays so um you know I got to play basketball and volleyball and all that kind of stuff and I even played volleyball in college and you know that just the game has changed so much in that aspect of it so I feel like Uh I was very fortunate to be around a lot of different coaches um I was pretty good at softball I wasn't that good at basketball but you get to play a sport that you're not good at but you still love it so you Uh learn by playing other sports you know if you're not really good at it but you learn to be a part of a team in a different way and so I'm just uh I think I was very lucky that I got experienced a lot of different things at a young age that have helped me be able to relate to a lot of different situations and players, you know, now as a coach. Mhm. Yeah. So <clears throat> I know a lot of us um uh, I'm I'm a little older than you are, but um a lot of us old timers talk about how in the old days we had to play multiple sports. We didn't have 20, uh, 12 month seasons and that type of thing. I know in Florida, it's, uh, even more so that way than yeah. <clears throat> it is up here. But, uh, so would you be an advocate? Like if you could like magic wand change the world that you almost had to play other sports type thing, would you be in favor of that? Obviously we can't, but I think, you know, yeah, I think at a young age for sure. Um, you know, I, I do think as you get into high school, you know, maybe you could, you go back and forth on uh, mm-hmm. if you want to be really good at your craft, you got to spend time on it. And if mm-hmm. you look at the college game of softball right now, kids have spent a lot of time on it, and the college game is really mm-hmm. good because of that mm-hmm. reason. So yeah. 
but there's got to be balance also. I think the thing that we're seeing in college is a lot of kids are coming in injured, and by their senior year, the mileage their body has, they're mm. all walking around like a, a veteran, you know, that's been in the league yeah. for a long time. <laughs> and it's not, right. you know, yeah. so, so we've got to find that balance of maybe, you know, maybe only throw so many innings pitching a week. Maybe you only do so much, you know, and, so then mm-hmm. that's on us as college coaches to figure that out. And so um, so I, I'm kind of between both. Um, yeah. You know, I, I didn't play all year round, and I didn't mm-hmm. play at the level that the kids are playing at now. And the level softball right. is now is awesome. We just got to be able to turn true. it back to take care of the body of the kids. Yeah, true. Yeah. Well, if you don't, uh, other players are going to, and it's going to be very difficult if, if you don't mm-hmm. focus on it at least 10, 11, up here especially, uh, 10, 11 months down there, probably 12 months. But um, if you don't, yeah. other players are going to. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah. So you were a pitcher and I got a question for you. I don't think I sent you this in um, uh, to ask you before, but I'm reading more. You were talking about wear and tear and veteran and stuff like that. I'm reading more and more about, cause in, in the old days, pretty much uh, because of the natural motion of pitching and things like that, uh, there is now some evidence that there is some wear and tear of the arm a little bit more and more. Uh, is that mm-hmm. – uh, what, what's your thoughts on that, on that type of thing? Yeah, I think that it is a natural motion for the rotator cuff, but um, mm-hmm. where most pitchers have problems is um, in the lower back. Uh, something has mm-hmm. to take the brunt of the right. amount of times your arm's going in a circle and the amount of force you're putting into landing on that front side. And the only mm-hmm. reason we just don't know about it is because we didn't have Major League Softball like Major League Baseball did. So Major uh, League Baseball can yeah. go and research because they're investing money in these guys mm-hmm. to come in and play a long amount of time. Well, softball is just trying to get four years out of college, and then there was really nothing past that. Well, now you're starting to get a little more people involved in sports science and human mm-hmm. kinetics and understanding how the body works. And so you're getting those conversations about the lower back and the spine and rotation. And, you know, so I think that we're getting educated a little bit more because there is money going into the research and development of athletes. And, you know, and I, I think it goes across the board for all athletics, you know, just how your body works. And so, um, you know, you want your, you want your players to be able to pick, pick up their kids at the age of 30, you know, and hold yeah, them. And, exactly. You know, and if, yeah. you, if you're having a bulging disc at a young age because you're pitching all the time and mm-hmm. you're just getting four years out of them and kicking them to the curb and moving them on and they can't lift their kid, that's not fair, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, exactly. Um, I think that, that goes on us to research that, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, shift gears a little bit, kind of go back to your uh, – you started your college career at St. Mary's in Texas, which I think there's – what in there like – four or five different St. Mary's in the, across the country. There Something, is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then uh, you were there a couple of years, maybe, I think. And then you transferred to Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma. Um, mm-hmm. So yep. um, I don't know what the transfer rule was then. I assume that it was um, okay. Um, what, if you don't mind yeah. kind of talk, cause I know I want to talk a little bit about the new transfer rule and the impact I think uh, that's having on some of the programs and what your thoughts are. So kind of your, your experience as an athlete transferring and what went through your uh, mind and what your thoughts were and then how you think it's affecting the game. Yeah. Um, I know for me personally, um, you know, we didn't have the funding to be able to go to college. And so 
uh, the mm-hmm. scholarship was a, a big thing for me and an opportunity for me. So being mm-hmm. able to go to St. Mary's in Texas, um, one, I love traveling and I love experiences. So it really was fun for me to, to have that chance to see the state of Texas and San Antonio in general. And mm-hmm. I'm really excited about it. But it just I wanted to hit, and the coach thought, you know, pitchers pitch, and they don't hit, and you know, just no. it, it wasn't. I, I wanted, you know, again, multi-sport athlete, and wanted to play a whole lot, yeah. and he wanted to protect his pitcher. Totally get it. So, uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the year, uh, was going to go to a junior college in California to look to transfer somewhere else for two more years. And at the time, middle of the summer, my club ball coach was hired as the assistant coach at the University of Oklahoma, and so he uh-huh. took a bunch of us from the state of California out mm-hmm. to help grow the University of Oklahoma. So I was only a year at St. Mary's, and then I spent the next three at the University of Oklahoma. Oh. And I went back on scene. You know, he called me a week before school started and said, hey, this oh, gosh. one kid, she got a mm-hmm. medical red shirt, and we have a little bit of money, <laughs> and you want to come out and out? And I said, heck, yeah. So it worked out well. And um, Perfect. I think the transfer rule, personally, um, uh, I just, uh, it's really hard because I think it's been around a long time. Transfers has been a part of our game for a long time. Mm-hmm. Social media makes it a lot bigger um, than we did back in the day. You just, mm-hmm. you know, you, you wrote letters and notes. You didn't have things posted within seconds right. of what was happening. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm a full believer in, you know, the women only have four years to play. Some of them get to go on professionally, but not as much. And they're really the professional side is you're getting your degree and your experience. And if you're not happy mm-hmm. as a player, you're not going to be happy in school and you're not going to be happy as a person mm-hmm. because you put so much mm-hmm. time into the sport. So why would I want someone here that doesn't truly enjoy what they're doing? And why would I want to hold them back from getting that opportunity? So are there certain cases that can be vindictive and really hurt a team? Yes. I, but I think they're a lot less percentage than just the kids going out and trying to find the right spot for them to grow as people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. That's the, the scary part is the, as you said, like, uh, like the travel team situations and the contacts and people out there actually recruiting the girls purposely to get them to leave schools and, and that type of thing. But, you know, at that point, they're probably uh, got a pretty good idea of what's going on and they're not going to be, as you said, probably a small percentage are probably going to be swayed that way, but they're going to mm-hmm. stay where they're happy to begin with too, probably. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, and I kind of talk in recruiting. I mean, if I'm a parent and I've got someone trying to recruit me away in a not very good fashion, that says a lot about the character of the program that's doing that. Uh-huh. And I, I agree. If, if you're looking at trying to develop as a young person in the sport um, and try to develop as a, as a person through the sport, uh, there's a lot that you can look at. And so I just, I just, I think everything happens for a reason. You know, I think people can cheat their way through things, but in time it's going to catch up to them. And in our game, it has in our game, the people that have tried to cut the corners, they've been found out and they've had a brief moment of success but it hasn't been endured. And you know, mm-hmm. I'm just a full believer in that, and I don't get caught up in it. And I want to be around kids and people that want to be happy and enjoy what they do. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so those that are listening, if you are listening live, of course this uh, will also be archived so people can listen to it pretty much forever, as long as there's any Internet. <laughs> um, so at, you can call in at 646-564-9536. And I'll be looking for you there. And there is a chat 
in the um, on the page there if you want to send a message to, in the chat, and I'll try to uh, watch that as well. So I'm kind of watching my notes, doing the talking, and watching all this. So we, it may take a minute or two to get to you. So let's get to your coaching kind of experiences a little bit. Um, so you started out as an assistant coach at Barry University and then went to Stanford. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. Well, I, um, at the time when the, I was down at the University of Oklahoma, I really wanted to get into sports broadcasting. And so I mm-hmm. contacted ESPN and, you know, they had the ability to come up and archive VHS tapes up there between midnight and six in the morning as an internship oh. and work your way in. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have the funding at that time to be able to do that, but it was still on my bucket list to make sure that I can make that happen. But I had to yeah. figure out how to make some money in between time to, to do that. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So at the time, I um, my boyfriend was playing with the Detroit Tigers organization, and I said, you know what? How cool would it be to go down to the state of Florida, get a GA job, get my master's, be around him a little bit? And um, so I called every school in the state of Florida, and Barry, Lisa Novice, was the only one that called me back. And she said, you know, I have a stipend for I want to say it was like $3,000, you know, it wasn't anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm down here in Miami shores. And so, you know, not knowing how big the state of Florida is at a young age, I just packed up my <laughs> car and drove down there. And, you know, 20 million hours later, I ended up down in yeah. Miami. I was like, wow. wow. But, uh, you know, I, again, just taking advantage of opportunity and I was way far mm-hmm. from where the Tigers were, but uh, I got to hang out with the Detroit Tigers, you know, I watched you know, him play a lot and I met a lot of the coaches yeah. there and, you know, it was great to, for me to learn, fell in love with coaching when I was down there with Lisa and Lisa's now coaching at South Carolina and just started growing mm-hmm. my golf opportunities. And so, yeah. um, I, you know, obviously never got into the ESPN deal because I was just so uh, in love with coaching the game and right. the sport. And that's where Stanford became an opportunity closer to home. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just, really just so lucky to have a lot of really cool people along the way to open doors for me. Yeah. That it's uh, the, the, um, I guess the forks in the road that we get the opportunities and taking those opportunities to, um, to grow and to, uh, to risk. I mean, obviously to drive a million miles to Florida is uh, there was a lot of risk involved there and stuff. So, um, so then, uh, you end up taking the head coach at UNLV. So um, yeah. culture cha- change, obviously. Uh, the uh, You go from assistant coach to head coach. I know a little bit about that. And um, there, it's experience. You had a lot of years as an assistant. As an assistant. So when you got to UNLV, what was, uh, was pretty much excited, pretty nervous, kind of both sides? I think uh, I was very fortunate when I was at Stanford uh, to have a lot of responsibility. And so um, I wasn't so nervous about running the program. I think the biggest thing when you go from being assistant coach to head coach is all of a sudden it's all on you, Uh you know, and you don't ever know that you don't ever know it until you're head coach. So, you know, I kind of, when I speak in front of coaches, you know, I always kind of point out there, I'm like, Hey, you assistant coaches, you know, you always have a second thought about what's going on in an opinion. And I totally get it because mm-hmm. I've been in those shoes. You will mm-hmm. never know what it's like to be a head coach. And the head coach doesn't know, you know, what the assistants right. are thinking. Like, it's just mm-hmm. you've got to appreciate that and respect that on both sides of it. And mm-hmm. to worry about 
what your kids are doing at midnight, to worry if they're going to class, to worry if they're okay, to worry if they're happy. Like that <laughs> is on your shoulders all yeah. the time. And that's right. probably the biggest change, uh, you know, and the minute you, you can call your head coach and say, man, now I know what you were going through, you know, and it's, uh-huh. just a, it's just a, a really um, amazing experience, uh-huh. but can, can worry you for a while because every decision you make, is affecting a lot of people, and uh, yeah. it's, it's quite, yeah, quite. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say worry, but you know, it's just, it's a lot of weight. It's heavy. It can be very yeah. heavy. Yeah. Yeah, right. The um, yeah, I agree. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty. I mean, you're talking about, and you're taking young women uh, from 18 to. Tw- I mean, the 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 path that they take when you when they walk on campus to the point they leave campus is really, those four years is not very long, but it changes their life completely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, my my mission was always to be able to brush my teeth at night and know I did the best I possibly could because Mm. you are going to make some unpopular decisions. Yeah. um, And you're going to be the only one at times. It's very lonely in that position at times. And as long as you can look at yourself and know that you're doing the best for the organization – and that's all I wanted to be able to do when I laid my head in the pillows. Like I, I made the best decision for the organization, and you know sometimes that's really hard to do, but that's where you mm-hmm. gotta you gotta stick with your stick with your goals and ethics and values and all those things that you built for the program. Yeah, exactly. So, um, any advice, real quick, just uh, um, like young college coaches that are assistants currently uh, that want to become a head coach. Uh, maybe they're struggling, they're not getting opportunities, interviews, that type of thing. Any kind of advice you can give them? Um, well, I just, I'm a, I know it sounds kumbaya, I guess, but I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I interviewed for I don't know how many jobs, and I wasn't really looking for jobs when I was at Stanford, but, you know, I interviewed at Tennessee, I interviewed at uh, Oregon, I interviewed mm-hmm. um, at have phone interviews at LSU. Like I had a lot of really cool opportunities and interviews Mm -hmm. and nothing ever really transpired for any of them. And, you know, and and it wasn't like I was looking, but after time you're like, well, maybe I'm not meant to be a coach. And then all of a sudden, you know, because Mm -hmm. like a fit and it was perfect, you know? So I just think that as long as you're trudging the course and, you know, and you're pretty happy in what you're doing, the, the opportunities will come if you can stay positive with it. And, the other part of that, though, I tell young coaches is you got to get outside your comfort zone, too, and they're not just come knocking on your door, you know. So getting out and doing camps and clinics, meeting people, um, you know, always following up with somebody that you meet, you know, with an email or drop a note. And just the connection mm-hmm. piece is, is so good. Yeah. I got to Florida State because of connection. I didn't get to Florida State, you know, because someone called on my behalf. It's because I knew in my communities you know I, I i volunteered for title nine community and i met the president of florida state and three years later mm-hmm. they're hiring a softball coach my name comes across wow. his desk and he remembers yeah. who i am you know so you just mm-hmm. you just never know when you get out there how down the line those connections will pay off for you yeah that's the one thing it took me a while to figure out i did not do that very well when i first started coaching the networking is is gigantic in all regards and and everything you yeah. do it's it's so important um so you get a unlv i think you had a tough first year but then you turned it around i think completely like 44 win season in 2005 i guess the the question when i'm looking at this is um what what did you do 
<laughs> what happened? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess fortunately for me, both programs I've taken over, um, Shan McDonald and then Coach Joanne Graff here at Florida State, they'd been there for a while. They had a culture, and they were really good people. They were just uh-huh. – they just lost a little bit of energy. They'd been there a while. Uh-huh. And just needed It just needed a little bit of a, a spark plug. So I inherited – uh, two good pitchers at UNLV. I inherited two really good pitchers here at Florida State, and that's the key to mm-hmm. softball. So, mm-hmm. for a little energy, and you change to maybe a little, tweak a little bit here and there, it's easy to start it off like that. So, you look like a genius, but in reality, you've kind of inherited something that's already been pretty mm-hmm. good. It needed a little bit of yeah. love. And so, yeah. um, you know, so I think that that's uh, one part of it. But I also think that the second part is um, I've been very fortunate to have really good assistant coaches and um mm-hmm. you know I've, I've only actually had two sets of assistant coaches in my career so the loyalty has always been there and mm-hmm. they've always been I think the the respect for the big picture and that of course starts from the top you know if you're going to set a standard from the top that there's got to be the standard all the way down and my assistant mm-hmm. coaches have always been that too we buy into the big picture we're going to argue at times we can close the doors, we can get after it, but it's still about the big picture of the program. And um, I've always tried to keep that at the forefront of what our mission is. And that's being good on and off the field. I don't care about wins and losses. I care about the standard of how we run ourselves and the process that we daily go about being a Florida state student athlete or a university rebel student athlete, you know, like it is very important Mm -hmm. that the standard is always held. Yeah. Uh, Very cool. Um, let me ask you, I'm going to shift gears uh, again as well. So I'm dying to get to these uh, a couple of questions or a couple of things. So when I see video of you, of course, video can be edited, can be whatever and stuff, but you're talking about culture, you're talking about uh, standards and that type of thing. When I watch you coach on the field, you're actually, and I, I don't want to be offensive. I don't think I'm going to be, but you're almost <laughs> quiet. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're soft. You're not yeah. yelling and screaming and, and loud and things like that, where a lot of young coaches feel that to get things done, they have to do the yelling and screaming. Is that mm-hmm. something, because I know one of the things we learn as coaches, you have to be yourself. You have to learn your own style. But is that something that you just naturally went to? Is that something that just fits for you? Or am I just seeing it wrong? Is Are you yelling off camera? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, um... I'm not a yeller and screamer. Um, I, I never really have been. I mean, I, I, in my early years, I did get, you know, I get heated, a little hothead every now and then. I've definitely mm-hmm. got some Portuguese in me that can get fired <laughs> up. And, um, you know, and you have to learn how to manage that as a young coach. And um, it's hard, you know, as a young coach, because yeah. you work so hard and you feel so overwhelmed. And now things aren't showing up on the field. You know, the field is your exam, your midterm, your mm-hmm. final. Like, that. those are the, those are things. And, and it's being shown in front of the world. And, you know, the coaches get embarrassed. And then mm-hmm. when you're embarrassed, they start to point fingers or yell at people, say, it's not me, it's the players, you know. Mm-hmm. I think as you get older, you realize, like, it, nobody really cares, you know. It's more about your organization. And yeah. so I think for me personally, um, I guess it goes back to standards. Um, I set the line, and as much as people don't think I'm yelling or screaming, I'm pretty – I'm on the kids all the time and it's just, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'll have a conversation with them just side by side. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. Um, you know, I'll walk up to a kid on deck or say maybe a kid's at first base and I don't like the way they're hustling or their body language. And, you know, I just look mm-hmm. into, you know, I'll say into their ear, like, you know, I mean, 
you know, like, I don't know, like Sid Cheryl the other day, you know, I said, hey, like, I mean, she's frustrated with her hitting, you know, I said, it's not about you right mm-hmm. now, Sid, like, it's not about you, you know, and, and, you know, it's just kind of like a parent stern voice, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, okay, you're right, you know, but <laughs> if we don't have those conversations off the field and in practice, why would I be able to have that conversation in a game? Like, I have to have it yeah. all the time, because that's mm-hmm. the standard. If I blow mm-hmm. up in the game and I wasn't like that and I didn't hold the same standard in practice or in some community function, then I'm truly not being this consistent coach that I want the player to be. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that part's very important. So, um, so I, yeah, I don't know. I just thought yeah. it's been that way. And I think uh, when you get to play as a coach, the calmer you are, the calmer they're going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the game is just yeah. to be played. Yeah. I'm not supposed to be yelling and screaming in it. Like, I, I need to get after them in practice to prepare them for the game and let's go play and see what we're all about and let's have some fun with it. Right. Right. Yeah. The, um, uh, I think a lot of coaches miss that. There was a, um, a professional baseball scout that I was talking to years ago was giving me some, something he was a, he was a former college baseball coach, became baseball scout for, I think it was, um, um, I don't remember the team, but uh, I was going to say Detroit, but that would have been pretty ironic, but, um, yeah, right. <laughs> so he, yeah, he said he was in uh, watching Iowa State and Iowa play or something. And one of the teams, one of the coaches, I don't remember specifically, but uh, they were really having a bad day. And he overheard the coach talk to the team. And he says that just something we need to work hard at starting tomorrow or starting in the next day at practice, whatever. And it really, uh, I think a lot of coaches like the post meeting stuff and the yelling and screaming and we we feel like when we're young we feel like that's what we have to do and I really love your approach like we get embarrassed we try to show that it's like not our fault and I think there's so many that do that if they can get past that that's great that would be great advice yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And I even, you know, we don't post game meet a lot um mm-hmm. because I one is the kids know the kids mm-hmm. know if they didn't perform. Yeah. I don't need to sit there and tell them 10 minutes after the game they didn't perform. I don't right. need to take – I know maybe after, you know, maybe after a game that we didn't show up, I can get into them, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to do it every mm-hmm. single game. You know, I mean, they know. And then yeah. the other part, they're going to go home and they're going to listen to their parents. And their parents are going <laughs> to tell them how bad they were, you know, because the yeah. parents are all involved too. And it's not yeah. a parent's fault in the sense I know the parents love them, but they're so into it that they feel like they got to coach them up. So sometimes my conversations are the next day after everything's mm-hmm. settled in, everyone's kind of relaxed. Then we'll meet the next day and be like, all right, like you had a good night's sleep. Let's talk about what happened yesterday so we can be better as we move forward. So then mm-hmm. you're, you're fresh mind. You're not really frustrated. You're talking about the process of the game and what happened during it and how we mismanaged it, whether we didn't show up, whether we didn't know where to go or we just didn't execute. Like there's a lot of things Mm -hmm. that we could talk about that we can get better at. So I think for young coaches, like you don't have to talk after every game, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. everyone knows what happened. It's just, we feel like that's, you know, like, Oh, we debriefed it. We debriefed it. Well, did they hear you? (laughs) You know, I mean, (laughs) you're involved in the game for two hours and now, now you're hearing someone yell at you that, you know, you're horrible. You're horrible. They're not hearing you, you know? So, um, so that's something that, we very rarely talk after a game, and if it is, it's it's maybe very quick. Hit this point, hit this point. This was good. This was good. See you guys later. Very, very quick. And you know, uh, as we know as well, and it's one thing you learn as you coach is that uh, telling them. You know, like I, one of the things that I learned about my catchers, I kept yelling at my catchers; they weren't blocking. And um, mm-hmm. eventually, I figured out well, I can't 
keep yeah they're not learning by me yelling at them i had to work at it harder yeah. and so uh yeah. so even the talking afterwards isn't going to help them get better yeah. unless it's maybe effort or something like that so yeah. um so yeah. you mentioned something again we're kind of back and forth i guess, I guess it's kind of how my brain works but um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the professional, uh, softball league, I went to see my first game actually last summer. Cause I've been out of the game for a while and stuff. And I, I didn't even know there was professional softball until I don't know. I've not known for very long. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, the, I know you coached, I think one year, like a year or two ago, and, mm-hmm. uh, you've been involved with it and stuff. What, um, I guess a couple of questions is like, what do you see is how's the health of the professional league? I think there's a team that just dropped out, but that, but we picked up another team. Uh, and what's the impact of the professional league doing to college softball, you think? Um, well, so we've had professional leagues for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, they've just varied. So we've been floundering for a while. But, you know, yeah. you look at – Major yeah. League Baseball and some of the professional leagues, they they floundered too until they found their niche, you know. And mm-hmm. so I think it's been awesome that we have it. Um, do I know where it's going? I don't. But do I know that there are so many women that talk about so many young girls and so many girls that get in college that talk about playing professionally that that's never been a conversation before. Uh-huh. And I think that's so cool. So we are we are getting to the kids that they can play after college and it doesn't have to just be Olympics. So I think Mm -hmm. that that is really cool. Um, The the thing to grow our game is corporate sponsorship. You know, that that's where you get into actually being professional. So right now we're like, we're a a little bit more of um, big time club ball minded because these people that are supporting the professional league are millionaires that are having a club team essentially because we don't have corporate sponsorship to put us on TV. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we don't have Schick and um, Dove bars, you know, and right. all people wanting commercials in this, you know, and that, that's the, that's the extreme next level. But if you look at ESPN and how much they're getting into the college game, if we can continue to work all these outlets, you know, maybe down the line, something amazing can happen for this sport. And so it yeah. takes all of us. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think the other part of, our professional league right now is there's a team from Australia. There's two teams from China uh-huh. that are coming over to the league. They're buying a team in the league to develop their teams to play at the highest level in 2020, uh-huh. hopefully 2028, you know, when it gets uh-huh. back in the Olympics. So you could see, I mean, China is putting so much money into it. So is it a professional league? I don't know. It's almost like an international league right now because yeah. international teams are coming over here and playing here. And some people look at it as like, oh, that's not professional. But, it is growing the game. If the world yeah. gets better at softball, more people want to see softball, then we've got mm-hmm. greater opportunity. And so we just we all got to step back and look at the big picture and really mm-hmm. jump in and support as much as we can and um, just try to get, you know, try to bring one or two people who have never seen the game. <laughs> you know, come over and see this exactly. game. All of a sudden they yeah. become fans and then we just we, we all have a little responsibility to it. Yeah. It's um yeah, the the international aspect of it, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, I think uh, the game I saw was Australia against um, um, it was up in Ohio. I think it was the team from, um, but I was they, they moved some. Um, yeah, yeah, and um, uh, even the team from Ohio. I think um, I didn't. 
I just happened to be there in town and I just saw that there was a game and I drove and watched the uh, first three or four innings. And um, I think the team from Ohio, Ohio had an international flavor to it as well. So, um, yeah. so new. Yeah. So it was really, really cool. Yeah. The level of play course was, uh, was really, uh, really good. The fan base was not very good. It was like during the middle of the week. At, um, so there's not a lot of people there, but it, uh, it's pretty exciting. And um, yep. I, yeah, so, and I love your approach. You talk about things, and that's one of the things is, so I'm trying to build this this business and try to do all this type of stuff, kind of get back in the game uh, and everything. And I'm noticing that I didn't notice before as well, there is a little bit of this, um, uh, I guess because competition is getting stiffer and there's more money out there, people are getting more, um, what is a good word for it, um, closed, not opened or more I, I, I'm going to use the word selfish, but it's understandable, not in a bad way necessarily. Like yeah. this is my organization. I'm going to do it my way and I don't care about anybody else. I just want to make this money type thing. Yeah. And I'm yeah. being kind of mean, but yeah. No, is that it's true? Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I mean, yeah. I think for a long time in our sport, you know, people are getting frustrated because I mean, you're having third party club ball people make a lot of money off softball right now. So if you look at, huh. U Triple A, Triple Crown, PGF, mm-hmm. ASA, like all these youth leagues that are mm-hmm. making so much money off the game of softball. And we as an organization, we're getting frustrated with that. But if you turn back the other perspective and be like, wow, like people are making money off of softball, you know, like mm-hmm. the yeah. softball's growing so much that people see the opportunity to make money. Can we move this in the direction that everybody moves the mountain up? Or are we going to flatline out where everyone's taking from it? So if we continue to be like, oh, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, and try to make new things, or we just all get together and continue to push softball up the hill, then we are going to be better as an organization. And it's not going to be in my lifetime that, you know, the mm-hmm. the pro league is going to be huge. But I can yeah. do a part of continue to energize and, and get these girls pumped up about the opportunities and keep making the better decisions for the growth of the game for the world, not just for us. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, uh, <clears throat> I would love, I mean, that would be a great line to finish the show and I know you're super busy. I want to get a couple yeah. things from you. Um, the yeah. um, uh, recruiting, give us like an overall uh, Florida state or um, your recruiting philosophy on um, at Florida state. Um, I mean, <laughs> easy. Yeah. Do, we yeah. don't have two more yeah, days or whatever, but yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, honestly, probably about five years ago, six years ago, Travis Craig and I sat down and said, okay, what's a Florida state softball player? Like, what is that? Let's really like break it down because I think when people go out and they talk about recruiting and kids are like, Oh, I work hard and I hustle. And I mean, the reality is you've got to play at the level. Like you have to be uh-huh. able to play and contribute at the level that you're at. So skill is probably the first thing that we look at. And we like very versatile athletes that can run. Like that's, that's kind of our MO and that's what we look at. Uh-huh. But then there's also a culture piece. And it is our responsibility to find the players that are going to fit here, flourish here, because I go back to the transfer thing conversation we had earlier. Uh-huh. If kids are not happy here, they're not going to get comfortable, and then they're not going to be able to flourish as a student athlete. And that uh-huh. is such a huge responsibility on our side. And it's so important that we're very honest and transparent and clear in our objectives of what the student athlete's going to get while they're here. And so I think that when you say what is the recruiting style, 
We are mm-hmm. who we are when we recruit you, when we're not recruiting you. When, you know what I mean? We are, we are so, oh gosh, I don't even, I'm just transparent, I guess is the word. You know, there, there's just mm-hmm. nothing here that's any different any day that you're going to be around here. And I want you to love coming to school here. I'm not going to roll out the red carpet and make you think you love coming to school here. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that the, maybe the, the genuine part, right? I mean, we are blue collar. Mm-hmm. We're going to have some fun. We don't need all the bling. We just want to go out and play a good game of softball and really enjoy it. And so we really try to find those athletes that fit that mold. Fantastic. And that, that is, of course, a challenge. And um, you're a state school, so obviously uh, you have an in-state tuition stuff and scholarships and all that kind of stuff to, to, uh, to deal yeah. with. Uh, do you try to stay, I assume, obviously try to stay in Florida is your goal, but uh, mm-hmm. because of the, the, the uh, tuition and the scholarship uh, situation and everything, but um, let's say there's a, a girl in Louisville. Uh, what mm-hmm. and she there was uh, how would she best get your attention? Yeah, so I mean, recruiting yeah. has been awesome because it's been we've changed in the last year. So now we can only really recruit juniors and seniors, which to me is genius because that's really when when right. we're growing. You know, yeah. when we were going to seventh and eighth graders and ninth graders, I mean, it was there were some no-brainer kids, but they're still growing. You know, as kids, I know. So they needed to do yeah. that. The rule change has been good for us, but um, I, you know, I think for us, we we do recruit. You know, you have to recruit your backyard, and our mm-hmm. backyard, fortunately, is Georgia it's, and Florida. Yeah, because we yeah. are twenty minutes from the state line. So you know, sometimes we're called South Georgia, and sometimes you mm-hmm. know, I mean, we're the Panhandle, yeah. and then we're Florida, like. There's a lot. We recruit in Texas. We're Virginia. We're getting to Arkansas. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we do have a couple of California kids. So we're all over the place. And camps and clinics are our best way to recruit because we get to actually mm-hmm. spend some time with you. And mm-hmm. to me, the big picture is you get to spend time with us. Like, right. we could love you all we want, but if you don't enjoy us, then we're going to have problems. And so, mm-hmm. uh, so I think camps and clinics are a really good way. But, I mean, it's word of mouth. It's emails. It's videos. It's Twitter. It's Instagram. I mean, there's so many ways that these kids can get in front of people. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I think the one thing when you want instant connection and the ability to see if I'm coachable and I can play, getting to camps and clinics is probably the best yeah. way. Yeah. 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 Good advice. Yeah. Good advice. So um, the um, um, video you said, what about like, um, because uh, back, I was a re- recruiting coordinator at, at uh, Moorhead State, and in our area, and we had the camps and the showcases and things like that. But uh, the travel teams were, I felt, more successful to recruit from travel teams than the high school, sadly. Is there similarity down there? Because I, cause I think at the uh, Louisville um, Coaches Clinic that you were at, that I watched, I think there was a girl that asked you a question about travel teams. I think you were the one she asked and said they're in, in the state of Florida, the high schools more and more choosing travel teams over high schools to play. Is that, are you seeing that? Yeah. Um, you know, I think for us to re- to recruit during high school season, the same as our season. So it always gets pretty right. tough. So yeah. um, where we shut down, you know, in June, so June, July, and August become a good recruiting time for us because we don't have anything else other than camps. So that actually kind of works into the club ball mindset. And mm-hmm. I wasn't a big fan of kids not playing high school and club ball because I think you could play high school and you could be the only one that's serious about softball and try to 
leave right. all the other kids are just maybe getting a letterman jacket, you know, and uh, so I think, it, you know, the mindset could be good for you. But then now I'm starting to see kids, they're throwing their pitching year around and they're not giving their bodies mm-hmm. breaks. And I'm like thinking, no, I mean, if there's a time to yeah. take off, it might be the high school season. And that just may be this day and age that we're in right now, these kids playing so much. But mm-hmm. I know a couple of kids that run track or play another sport just to kind of give their arms a break. And um, mm-hmm. so I think it becomes personal and kind of where you're at in your game and what position you are um, that the high school is, is a decision. But, like, for the state of Georgia, we recruit because they play in the fall. So mm-hmm. we actually go to high school games and the playoffs and all that because, you know, we are actually just starting practice then. So it's a little bit different yeah. than right. Florida because they are playing mm-hmm. now and we're playing now and you just can't yeah. get away. Yeah, true. So um, I know you've mentioned a few things that kind of answers this question. Um, we'll try to finish up with a couple couple more questions, if you don't mind. But uh, changes that you've seen in the sport maybe in the last I, – I think it's changed a lot, and it feels like in the last two years. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. maybe in the last three, four, five years, any of the major changes you've seen in the sport? Uh, offense. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the the offense is getting better, um, and I don't think it, everyone thinks it's because the pitching is getting worse, and I don't agree with that. I think that we're bringing mm-hmm. really good offensive-minded coaches in, and then I think a lot of us females are learning from a lot of the offensive-minded coaches, and we are mm-hmm. all growing together, and the game is mm-hmm. getting better offensively. Um, we're getting strategy. Uh, there are more games on TV, so more scouting yeah. is happening. And mm-hmm. when you put all that together, you got smart offenses working against really good pitching. And, you know, back in the day, kids could throw 80 games and a gazillion innings and have a .1 ERA. And, right. you know, now with all this information and, you know, we have relievers, we have closers, people are starting to work mm-hmm. mindsets with that. Baseball's been mm-hmm. doing it for a gazillion years. Why are we any mm-hmm. different? So I'm going to say offense is changing our game a little bit, and it's pretty outstanding. And I think it's going towards a, a better – well-rounded roster I think you're going to have more pitchers that specialize in in one area to be able to come in and get you out of something or maybe give you three innings of relief I think there's going to be a lot of really cool things that change with our game as we move forward right right Uh, yeah that's pretty exciting that is pretty because exciting but to me uh, uh, as much as I do love pitching battles and I do and defensive battles and things like that but the uh, the strategy of of changing different things in the middle of the game and stuff is, is pretty cool as well. Um, so shift gears a little bit, uh, the mutual award, um, named (laughs) after of course, um, some, um, decent baseball player named Stan Musial, uh, being a little sarcastic, (laughs) little facetious. Um, so Mm -hmm. you received that this year, 2018 mutual award honoree. Uh, it looks like some, uh, Let's see. In addition to uh, you, the 2018 Music Award honorees, Jim uh, Tomey, uh, sister, I'm going to mess this up, Jean, Dolores Schmidt, uh, Ozzy Smith, Jordan Bohannon, Gerald Hodges II, Ty Kane, or Kuhn, uh, Caden Whaley, and Kate, um, can't pronounce her last name, should have probably done some research on that. Yeah, so <laughs> tell us about that. Yeah, what uh, what yeah. is the Stan yeah. Usual Award? Um, well, so for those that don't know, and if anyone's listening to this right now, if you are a sports fan, you need to go. It's kind of like mm-hmm. the SBs of the character of sports. 
Um, it the coolest thing. I mean, when I walked in and they have tissues on everyone's chairs, I was like, oh gosh, oh gosh, yeah. And um, you know, I the cool. I as an honoree, you go there the day before and you meet all the honorees and you hang oh my out gosh. with them the whole day. So. We got mm. to hear stories, and I got to meet all, you know, Kate and yeah. um, Jim and uh, Ozzy, and it was so cool, yeah. you know, Sister yeah. Jean. Um, the Mutual family, the whole entire Mutual family comes, and they're wow. a part of the event. And um, so it's a family feel event right off the get-go. It's warm. Mm. It's touching. It's, um, they celebrate you because of what you do for sport. And mm. at first, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I mean, I – I returned to Jersey for Oregon. She, they left it in our bus, and it was a yeah. it was a thing that I feel like everybody does. But <laughs> I know that you know some people don't take yeah. the time to do certain things, and I don't mm. think that I'm special by any means. But then when I started really realizing it, I think it's really cool that someone takes the time to recognize the little things because that is yeah. what really is so fun about sport. And in mm. and today's era, when we start talking about contracts and deals and who's not doing this and the negativity. What a cool opportunity for someone to take two hours and talk about all the amazing things that sport does for people because people know that they just need to celebrate yeah. it. So mm-hmm. it was cool. I mean, it goes yeah. on, uh, you know, just just making the right decisions, you know. So Kate, mm-hmm. you know, she she had um, turned in a scorecard and um, they forgot to put some of the extra strokes on her scorecard and the team wasn't going to win the state championship and it was her coach's last mm-hmm. time and you know she went up and she could have got away with it and she didn't, you know, I mean, yeah. what high school kid does that? Like what, right, family right. like if this was brought to you, would you do it? You know, and you're sitting mm. in those chairs and they're talking about the story and she's like, it's just the right thing to do. And it is, it's totally the yeah. right thing to do. Would you do it in those moments? And you know, that goes on for hours. Just so many really cool stories. And um, cool. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back as a fan. Um, I'm going to spend the weekends there. If I, if I don't have yeah. anything with softball here, I'm going to be a part of it because it was really <laughs> Um, inspirational to me and um, honestly a really good check-in as a coach for me mm-hmm. to give me that ground of why we do what we do and um, so truly enjoyed it that's I think probably what happens a lot of coaches is you coach for many years and you get wrapped up in the wins and the and the prep, prep uh, time of the games and the practices and the recruiting and all the other stuff you're doing and you have a tendency uh, to forget why you originally yeah. got into this and it's really um great to get that yeah uh, good good gut back go ahead <laughs> yeah right. yeah that and it's kind of the a little bit of a segue i was thinking about um you know you you win the national championship last year you got the music award i know uh it gets to be kind of a whirlwind and stuff back in what was it uh you were at uh uh you're in vegas your first year, uh, not too good. Second year, you you go up really good, and then I think you had a really rough year. Your last year there, I think you had a couple injuries. Is that right? Yeah, we had eight. We had we had. I had two catchers left. One was playing center, and one was playing short. It was oh, the of the amount of injuries we had. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but almost one of my more fun years actually because the kids were so selfless. Whatever they you know whatever the team needed, they were going to do, and that was that was pretty awesome to see. And so, yeah. you know, again, about process and lessons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like you're talking about at that point and stuff, but there had to be a point at that. It, like if somebody if could come back in time, you know, and say, you know, uh, Lonnie, uh, I know it's a tough year and everything is great in, in a sense where they're being selfless and, 
and you're having a great year here and you've got all these injuries and you're recovering, it's going to be good. In 2018, you're going to win the College World Series at Florida State. You know, at that point, yeah. probably, <laughs> yeah, not going to believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even after we won the World Series, it probably took a couple months uh. for it to even sink in that we actually won the World Series. And there's times when I look around my office and I see a picture and, you know, it just takes you back to like, wow, we really won the World Series. You know? yeah. So I think I, <laughs> I still get into that la-la land at times. Yeah. I bet. Yeah, it was definitely I bet. A whirlwind. And I do know that um, we as a coaching staff said if it ever happened, we were going to celebrate it. We did. We went to – we did a two-month tour, and we took the trophy around. We kind of did the Stanley Cup deal, and we took the trophy mm-hmm. around all the booster events in the state oh, of Florida. Very cool. and we, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think that sometimes we as coaches, too – um, don't recognize how many people are involved in, mm. in supporting athletics and how much that means to them. And, oh, my gosh, we had so much fun with it. And um, hindsight, if, you know, we were ever do it again, mm. I'm going to send the trophy with each player to take home for a week, just like the Stanley Club, ah. because I think that, yeah. you know, again, there's so many families that were a part of that in their hometowns and the Groves, and that's what keeps mm-hmm. the game going. And, you know, so um, – yeah. So glad you know we did what we did because we did truly enjoy um, the experience of winning it, not just in one moment, but in many. Yeah, wow, very cool. Um, so yeah. I'm gonna let you go. Any last? Uh, and I, I'm gonna before because I may forget. Before I go, the more I read about you and the more I look, and now that I'm talking about you, you're such an amazing ambassador to the sport of the of the uh, uh, internationally. I mean. Uh, it's uh, just applaud the the, uh, the your approach, your daily approach, your uh, personal uh, approach, and uh, just very appreciate you being on the show, getting to know you better, and all the things that you do. Well, thank you. Yeah, I I mean. I've been so lucky through the game to, you know, I've traveled the world. Uh, I've met so many really cool people. It's almost I feel as if my responsibility to give back, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that kind of how mm-hmm. things work. And so, so it's not so much, I, I go out to try to do this. I just really enjoy doing it and I love doing it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a softball nerd and junkie and I absolutely <laughs> love it. And so lucky that my passion is my career at the same time. Yeah. And so I'm um, very grateful for that. So thank you for having me on. And I hope that, yeah. you know, there's a little bit out there that can help someone in deciding what they're doing with, coaching or how they're handling people and you know i just um, yeah just want to share and help grow and i continue to grow that way too so i appreciate it so much thank you thank you and i think you're in louisville to play uh up here at university of louisville in april so i'll hopefully get out and and watch you play i'm not really a uh, louisville i'm from indiana uh so i actually hate no i'm just kidding but uh yeah uh yeah <laughs> so but i do get out to see uh see them play it at the out there when it starts getting warm one of the things i don't miss about uh, ohio valley coaching is coaching in february and those dugouts on metal benches and stuff is not yeah. fun yeah no so no. i wait until it gets Why warm florida <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see it, so. well, I'd love to see it. yeah we're up there april 5th 6th and 7th is that weekend we're yeah. up there and it's actually an espn game we're playing a monday night game so we're starting oh. sunday monday so yeah but would love yeah. it and anyone else to come yeah. out and be yeah. good all right, great. Good. Well, good luck, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. All the best. Take care. Uh-huh. Thank you. All right, Bye. so that was Lonnie Alameda from Florida State University, and uh, just a great interview. Uh, pass the word. If you are a softball nerd and you want to 
learn a little bit about Florida State. You want to learn a little bit about uh, Coach Alameda. You want to learn a, uh, a lot of stuff about coaching. Advice for young coaches, uh, absolutely amazing. But uh, one of the things we talked about and, and that I admire is her approach is, is um, uh, absolutely optimistic, positive, uh, building growth and uh, not tearing down or anything. So uh, really, really good. So spread that word. Uh, more information on Gap to Gap Radio is on the website, nationaldiamondacademy.com. And uh, we have the next show. Next show, I get to uh, do a little bit um, talking about lessons. And it's uh, the top nine things that you need to know about lessons, about individual lessons. So that'll be the next show. And then the week after that, we're planning on having uh, Ron Ray with uh, Future Stars of Sports. It's a tournament uh, organization for softball uh, located locally here. So the show is pretty much what we want to try to do is get uh, a nat- national, maybe international flavor. We're going to try to get some professional level coaches and administrators and players on here. Uh, historical, try to get some old timers uh, out here. Uh, current people having uh, Lonnie on here is, uh, is absolutely crazy. Uh, amazing to have her there. So uh, people like that uh, hopefully get some other college programs on here. Feel free to email me with questions or comments, holly at nationaldiamondacademy.com. Facebook page is uh, also National Diamond Academy. There is a Gap to Gap Facebook page. All that information should be on this radio uh, page. So again, that was Lonnie Alameda, Florida State University. Outstanding. She did an amazing job. Of course, I'm sure she's done that once or twice and uh, I really appreciate her having uh, having her here. So that pretty much concludes the show. If, um, again, you got any questions or any comments, you got any suggestions of anybody to be on here, just let me know. And um, we'll see you next week. It's uh, every week at 12 o'clock uh, on Monday, 12 o'clock Eastern Time. Have a great day. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.